WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, January 12th. Thank God, right? Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Some sun to start the day, going to see some clouds roll in, and then the high 47. Saturday is going to be rainy and windy. We could get an inch of rain on Saturday. The high 43, and then Sunday, partly cloudy, warmer than it should be at wintertime. The high 55. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 37 and clear in East Hampton. It's 35 and clear in Hamilton down in New Jersey. And it is 37 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. we got a whole lot to get to before we make our way up to sit in friends in the morning. Maybe some of you are asleep, others awake. This is as the U.S. and British militaries bombed more than a dozen sites used by the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen last night in this massive retaliatory strike using warship and submarine-launched Tomahawk missiles and fighter jets. The military targets included logistical hubs, air defense systems, uh, weapon storages, and launching locations. The Houthis, if you're not familiar with them, they're an Iranian-backed group out of Yemen, and they've been messing with us in the Red Sea. And so the U.S., uh, other countries, allied countries, getting on board to get back at them last night. The White House says U.S. and British retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen are meant to send a warning. President Joe Biden says that a series of strikes in Yemen targeting Houthi rebels are meant to demonstrate that the U.S. and its allies will not tolerate the militant group's Red Sea attacks. Biden said the military response was only made after attempts at diplomatic negotiations and careful deliberation. He said in a statement that recent attacks have included for the first time use of anti-ship ballistic missiles. Those actions, he said, have endangered U.S. personnel, civilian mariners, and freedom of navigation. Norman Hall, Washington. It's all part of the mess in the Middle East. Journalists, by the way, in Yemen this morning saying they heard four explosions. Not clear if that's all part of these attacks that have taken place over the last, let's say, 10 hours. We'll bring it back home while we're talking about the military. A Navy helicopter crashing in San Diego during a routine training mission yesterday. Navy officials have confirmed six crew members aboard a Navy helicopter that crashed into the San Diego Bay Thursday have survived. Commander Ben Beth Teach is a Navy spokesperson for Naval Air Force Base Fleet. She says the MH-60R helicopter crashed around 6.40 p.m. near the Naval Amphibious Base Coronado. The aircraft crashed during a routine training mission. Commander Teach says all six members are currently undergoing a medical evaluation. The crash is under investigation. I'm Bree Tennis. Okay, let's bring it even further home, North Jersey, where there's all kinds of flooding. The Passaic River cresting last night, same uh, for the Pompton. So there's just a whole bunch of frustration, exhaustion. And another flood, uh, this is the second one in the last three weeks where people are now bailing water. Their houses, their basements flooded. Some houses surrounded at this hour by the river. As of, like, this year, this is the second time it's been this bad. I'm moving my car. Uh, I heard that the... 
floods was going to get higher, and I don't want to lose my vehicle. Yeah, they did get higher overnight. That's a woman in Patterson. Certain sections of Patterson hit hard last night. People in low-lying areas were urged to evacuate their homes. This was yesterday. Fire trucks, police officers going around in these towns that they knew were going to get flooded out, speaking on their speakers and telling people, you get out so we don't have to come rescue you when the water comes in. You wake up. The electricity shot. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to wait for them to repair the electricity. You're in a hotel. It's very inconvenient. Yeah, there were a lot of people who did get out living with relatives, as you heard in that case, living in a hotel residence in the area. Say, this is the worst flooding, at least from what they could tell last night, since Ida. You wake up, the electricity Patterson Mayor Andre Sayas says first responders making a lot of saves yesterday. Yesterday, when he said the night before, we had 12 rescue operations. Why? You had localized flooding and you had people disregarding the barricades and driving right into the water. And so I just want to underscore the importance of turn around, don't drown. Yeah, unfortunately, there's lots of people who do go around those cones. Governor Murphy, he was on the ground yesterday checking out some of these towns before the river crest and saying that 10 million bucks will be used to elevate or buy out some of these flood-insured properties most heavily impacted by the flooding last month. And this new round of flooding, the feds will pitch in a lot of money as well. We're going to turn over every stone we can, whether it's state money, county, perhaps, guys. Uh, and the biggest bucket of money in all this is, is going to be the feds. So that was the Passaic River, but there were others that flowed over the banks yesterday into last night as well. The Pompton River being one, so that flooded out portions of Lincoln Park. Attention, flooding is imminent. Evacuate the area now. I worry, honestly, that one of these days a giant sinkhole is going to swallow up all these homes. Yeah, I don't blame you for thinking that. With all the water over in Little Falls, the water levels giving residents an unexpected lakeside view that they definitely do not want. Governor Murphy says he's really concerned about this rain in the forecast. As I told you at the start of the program, we could get an inch of rain on Saturday, which is going to make just things a whole lot worse. But it's the cumulative impact here, the saturation in the ground, uh, the fatigue, uh, the one after another. Yeah, it is the fatigue of it all. It isn't just in New Jersey, by the way. And this is all from this storm that took place earlier this week that brought a lot of rain. Ocean beaches on Long Island took a beating from this week's storm. On Fire Island, erosion a big problem. Officials calling the flooding there some of the worst since Superstorm Sandy. Talking to neighbors there who say their homes are flooded out. This is the first year this has happened since Sandy. I've seen at least since I've been here. Um, we've never had water in here. This is the first time. It's basically high tide. Yeah, during high tide yesterday, the Fire Island ferry terminals, you know, the ones in Bayshore, they were flooded out. On Baywalk through Ocean Beach, you know, that area that's lined with shops and hotels, standing water remains there this morning. The mayor, Ocean Beach, telling people, stay away for now. Please wear boots. Okay, bring water. Bring a sandwich. Don't bring the kids. Okay, don't bring the dogs. We don't know what's in this water. You don't know what's in this water. It's a very, very dangerous situation. And then daylight's going to tell us a whole lot more because this river cresting late last night will, of course, bring the latest to you to see uh, on all this flooding in North Jersey as the morning wears on. WABC News Time 509. Former President Trump blasting the civil fraud trial brought against him here in New York. He was in a courtroom in lower Manhattan yesterday. She's a political hack, the Attorney General. Uh, the judge is obviously extremely friendly with the group. 
And we'll see uh, what happens. I think maybe he uh, may surprise people. The former president speaking to reporters after his defense team made those closing arguments yesterday. Trump says prosecutors don't have any evidence against him. We've proven this case so conclusively. Uh, We've asked for directed verdict many times. Uh, They don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. The judge in the case gave Trump five minutes to make a statement in court yesterday after indicating that he would not be allowed to speak during closing arguments. During his statement, Trump verbally attacked the judge, telling him that his own political agenda, that is, New York Attorney General Letitia James, who brought this case forward, has accused Trump, his adult sons and business associates of inflating the value of real estate in order to get more favorable loans. She says the civil fraud case against Trump is not about her own personal feelings. This case has never been about politics or personal vendetta or about name calling. This case is about the facts and the law. James says that no matter your status, you have to follow the law. Uh, But at the end of the day, the point is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how rich you are, that no one is above the law and that the law applies to all of us equally and fairly. WABC News Time 511. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, we told you yesterday, no longer running for the White House after announcing he dropped out. Talk to his voters here in the tri-state area to get a sense of whether they really cared about him not being in the race any longer. It was about time he dropped out. He had no chance. I wasn't interested in voting for him anyway. Right now, all he was doing was just bashing Trump the whole time. That's it. Christie was someone I was considering with him out. I'll, I'll definitely go Biden again. So there were polls out, and none of them were good for Chris Christie. He was in the low single digits in most of these polls uh, leading into the Iowa caucus and, of course, into the primary season. Anybody other than Biden? Well, as long as it's not Biden, that's pretty much it. They'd have to get on the television and have a rebuttal and knock it out, you know, so we could make a plan and see who was best for the job. But this has got to go. Okay. Uh, What was interesting and not surprising was that many of the people we spoke to yesterday say they just didn't like anybody in the race so far. Not just with everything on a four-year cycle. Things need to change on the larger scale, and I don't think that change is being made. Whether that means Senate updating term limits, whether that means the uh, House of Reps trying to broaden their support among Gen Z. All right, well, we'll play it out as the primary season begins. Hunter Biden has been arraigned on federal tax charges now in Los Angeles. The president's son arrived at the downtown Los Angeles courthouse Thursday afternoon and pled not guilty to three felony and six misdemeanor counts. He's accused of failing to pay taxes and other charges and could be sentenced to 17 years in prison if convicted as charged. Prosecutors claim he was engaged in a four-year scheme to avoid paying at least $1.4 million in federal taxes. I'm Mark Mayfield. Hunter Biden's mom, of course, First Lady Jill Biden, defending her son following, she says, uh, vicious attacks from Republicans. I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. The president and the First Lady have not spoken out a lot about Hunter Biden and all the legal trouble that he's in. But uh, yesterday she was talking about the fact that she thought what's happening to Hunter is cruel. And she said she also worried about her grandchildren. What they are doing to Hunter is cruel. I love my son and it's had it's hurt my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm so concerned about that it's affecting their lives as well. 513, the Pentagon's inspector general going to review how the department handled Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization. To examine the roles, 
processes, procedures, responsibilities, and actions related to the Secretary of Defense's hospitalization. That's Brigadier General Pat Ryder telling reporters yesterday they'll assess whether the Department of Defense policies are sufficient to ensure timely and appropriate notifications. This comes after Austin faced a ton of criticism for failing to promptly notify top officials of his absence during his hospitalization for prostate cancer. Whether the DOD's policies and procedures are sufficient to ensure timely and appropriate notifications and the effective transition of authorities as may be warranted. It seems the president didn't know for days about what was taking place. Austin hospitalized January 1 following a December cancer surgery, spent days in the ICU at Walter Reed. President Biden, top officials did not learn of his hospitalization until days later. Now, the good news is uh, Lloyd Austin apparently is recovering okay. I don't have an update to provide at this time on when he'll be released from the hospital, but we'll, of course, keep you informed. And while we're down in D.C., a watchdog report finds the Pentagon did not properly track more than a billion dollars worth of weapons sent to Ukraine. The Pentagon inspector general says that the Defense Department improved its ability to track military aid to Ukraine, but it didn't fully comply with requirements. The report says much of the equipment sent is delinquent. That means it isn't possible to inventory everything sent to Ukraine. It all comes at a crucial moment on the Hill as Congress debates whether to authorize more Ukraine aid. I'm Lisa Taylor. 515 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Friday. A good morning to you as well. Noam Alenin, start on the hardwood here in Dallas. The Knicks fell short against the Mavericks. Final score 128 to 124. Julius Randle led the Knicks with 32 points, while former Maverick Jalen Brunson poured in 30 of his own, but the Knicks lost for the first time in six games since acquiring OG Ananobi from Toronto on December 30th. Ananobi scored 10 points, 8 in the fourth quarter. The Nets didn't take kindly to France, losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Paris by a score of 111-102. to Mikael Bridges and Cam Thomas each scored 26 for the Nets, who matched their worst half of the season with 34 points in the first half and have lost 12 of 15 to the NHL now where the Rangers fell flat against the Blues in St. Louis losing 5 to 2 last night Adam Fox and Vincent Trocheck scored for the Rangers but with the loss the Rangers have now dropped three straight for the first time all season in Elmont the Islanders fared much better beating the visiting Toronto Maple Leafs 4 to 3 in overtime Matthew Barzal Scored 21 seconds into OT to seal the victory for New York, while uh, Sorokin made 32 saves and right to the W as well. Paul Mary, Romanov, and Horvath also scored, and defenseman Dobson had a career high four assists. Finally, in Tampa Bay, the Devils lost to the Lightning by a score of four to three in OT. Uh, New Jersey got goals from Dawson Mercer, Jesper Brat, and Nathan Bastian. Vanacek stopped 16 shots in the loss. Some offseason baseball news to get to here as well regarding the Yankees. Right-hander Marcus Stroman and the Yanks are uh, reportedly in agreement on a two-year $37 million contract that includes a vesting player option, lengthening New York's rotation with the two-time All-Star. Stroman, 32 now, made the National League All-Star team after posting a 2.96 ERA in the first half of 2023 with the Cubs, the fourth-best mark in the NL. He made only six starts, along with two relief appearances in the second half after suffering hip and rib injuries and allowed 23 earned runs in 24 innings, pulling his season-long ERA down to 3.95. He'll fit nicely, though, into that third starter role behind Rodon and in front of Cortez. 
Last but not least, looking ahead to wild card weekend playoff action in the NFL. It'll be the AFC kicking things off tomorrow afternoon at 4.30 p.m. with the five-seed Cleveland Browns as two-point road favorites visiting the four-seed Houston Texans before the six-seed Miami Dolphins head into Arrowhead to meet the three-seed Kansas City Chiefs at 8 p.m. Oh, you see how cold it's going to be for yeah, that game? Not, what is it, down to negative five now? They think it might be the coldest game in NFL history. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I wouldn't touch that. If you're a gambling degenerate, I wouldn't touch that game because it's going to be freezing. And I, who knows what happens in freezing cold temperatures. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but I can't remember who it was, but one of the members of the Chiefs, yeah. you know, because this game is behind a paywall, right. offered to pay the six bucks for 100 people. Oh, watch the game. That's it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's nice. Oh. 600 bucks, is that right? 700, but if it's 7 bucks. Oh. Yeah. 699, I think. Uh, so oh, how much is it then? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Now we're getting into, <laughs> into the decimal realm, but uh, I don't somebody like from the Chiefs front office should offer to pay like for a bunch of Chiefs fans to be able to watch the game. Well, no, the Chiefs fans can watch it because it's free in that, Kansas City. Well, right, if yeah. you're in Kansas City. But the right, if you're a Chiefs fan who lives in, you know. Oh, well, that's why this guy's paying for six, 100 people. Uh, yeah, okay. And six ninety nine, whatever that comes to. All right. I just think he could do a little more. That's <laughs> <Okay>. all. <laughs> Kansas City currently stands as five-point favorites. And that one, a Sunday afternoon AFC wildcard action wraps up with the seven-seed uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo to take on the two-seed and ten-point favorite Buffalo Bills at 1 p.m. NFC action gets underway thereafter. After with the seven seed Green Bay Packers visiting the two seed and seven point favorite Dallas Cowboys at four thirty p.m. before the six seed uh, L.A. Rams head into Detroit to meet the three seed and three point favorite Lions. Wildcard weekend action will conclude with the five seed Eagles as three point road favorites in Tampa Bay to butt heads with the four seed Buccaneers. That's your playoff football to look forward to this weekend. No man, I'm Justin Ellick with Sports on seventy seven WABC. WABC News Time five twenty down to D.C. Congress facing another looming government shutdown deadline. Democrats and Republicans agree we don't want a shutdown. We want to work together to pass the 12 appropriations bills. No doubt you recognize that voice. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer aiming to pass a short-term funding extension next week. It has become crystal clear that it will take more than a week to finish the appropriations process. So here's part of the problem. Schumer says the funding runs out for about 20% of the government come January 19th. I am taking the first procedural step for the Senate to pass a temporary extension of government funding so the government does not shut down. Yeah, we go through this drill all too often. Schumer and House Speaker Mike Johnson, you'll remember, or uh, recently agreed on this uh, top-line spending numbers, which a uh, group of House conservatives have spoken out against because they say there's not enough cuts uh, to the government uh, spending. A push to ban tackle football for kids under 12 in California a step closer to being reality. This would be kind of a big deal. There's all kinds of studies to suggest that kids who get hit under the age of 12 are more likely to get CTE. The bill passed its first hurdle yesterday in California State Assembly. We would lose the, the, the far greater benefits that football provides to a, a limited risk um, you know, uh, to injury. Yeah, lots of football leaders across California speaking out against this bill. Tyron Jones, who coaches youth and high school football in the Bay Area, says it's a move in the wrong direction. He says these players will be behind if they don't play when they're young. There's certain things that just aren't safe for younger people, and banging your brains around for little kids just isn't safe. To my knowledge, there's been no pressure to limit participation in lacrosse, soccer, or ice hockey which all have concussion rates similar to youth tackle football, but are prevalent in more affluent 
an exclusive community. Yeah, part of the argument is if you ban it for football, why wouldn't you ban it for soccer where they're heading balls or lacrosse where they're sometimes hit by those hard balls? If we do not see the symptoms, the second hit that can create a concussion can actually damage even more the brain. I played when I was a kid, and maybe that explains why I'm working in radio today. Bill Belichick, uh, the New England Patriots, ending a historic 24-season run yesterday. Robert and I, after a you know, series of discussions, have uh, mutually uh, agreed to part ways. For me, this is a day of gratitude and celebration. Belichick says he, him and uh, team owner Robert Kraft came to the decision Wednesday after they met. He ends the Patriots career. 266 regular season wins, six Super Bowls. That's pretty amazing. So much thanks for the opportunity to, to be a coach here for 24 years. It's an amazing opportunity. Received tremendous support. Belichick also thanking the players. Players win games in the NFL and I've been very, very fortunate to coach some of the, the greatest players uh, that have ever played. Of course, Tom Brady being one of them. Now we'll wait and see if uh, Bill Belichick takes a job, a gig, as head coach somewhere else. 524, let's go overseas. Israel and Hamas steadily advancing, apparently, in talks to deliver vital medicine to the hostages being held in Gaza as part of discussions to increase more humanitarian aid for Palestinian refugees. Qatar apparently involved in these negotiations. And I guess the good sign here is these hostages, they think anyway, a lot of them are still alive, 130 of them. Some of them need diabetes medications, all kinds of different medications. And so these families, the hostage families, have been pushing to get this deal done. It's not clear how long this will take, but the negotiations going on. That is, the Biden administration says allegations that Israel has committed genocide in Gaza are completely unfounded. Those who are violently attacking Israel, who continue to openly call for Israel's annihilation and the mass uh, murder of Jews. That's a State Department spokesman says the allegations should be made with the greatest of care. comes as South Africa presenting its case to the International Court of Justice accusing Israel of genocide in its war against Hamas. Israel addressing the court today, actually. Genocide is one of the most heinous acts any entity or individual can commit, and such an allegation should only be made with the greatest of care. The allegations that Israel is uh, committing genocide uh, are unfounded. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in the Middle East uh, speaking with Egyptian President el-Sisi over the Israel-Hamas war. He sees Iran as a major problem in expanding the war now. If you bring Israel in, if you make the necessary commitments to security and you move down the path to a Palestinian state, that's the single best way to isolate, to marginalize Iran. I was blinking on an airplane. He says this latest tour of the Middle East is aimed at keeping the conflict between Israel and Hamas from escalating even larger. That vision is very clear to many of the leaders that we talk to in the region. More than 23,000 Palestinians killed since October 7th when the Palestinian group Hamas launched that massacre in Israel, killing more than 1,200. 526 now. Developers of self-driving semi-trucks say they plan to have their big rigs rolling in Texas by the end of the year. But some advocates warn that the technology is moving way too fast and this will put drivers at risk. If these vehicles are put on the road, the traveling public are participants in this experiment. Kathy Chase heads the group advocates for highway and auto safety. She says the transportation department needs to do their job, regulate companies like Aurora Innovation, who's behind this plan to put trucks uh, on the streets as autonomous. There's not been enough 
transparency in terms of informing the public about are these vehicles ready to be fully autonomous. The U.S. Department of Transportation has to do its job and regulate to ensure that no vehicles are put on the road before they are proven to be safe. But this company, Aurora Innovation, says it's done its job and will pitch to have these autonomous trucks delivering, making shipment deliveries come the summer. All right, let's take a look at Wall Street. The trading week winding down after stocks closed on Thursday. Mixed, this comes after last month's CPI report came in slightly higher than expected. It pushed the yearly rate to 3.4%. So at the closing bell, the Dow gained 15 points. S&P 500 fell three. The Nasdaq rose by one point. 77. W-A-B-C. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday. Thank God, right? January 12th, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Some sun to start the day. The clouds roll in in the afternoon, the high 47. And then Saturday, kind of a washout, rainy and windy. We could get an inch of rain, the high 43. And then Sunday, partly cloudy, high 55. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 37 clear out in East Hampton, 35 and clear in Hamilton down in New Jersey. And it is 37 and clear outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour right here in the city with the Ecuadorian community. You know, there's about 420,000 Ecuadorians living in New York City. It's the maybe the largest Ecuadorian community in America. All of their eyes are back on their homeland in a story that hasn't gotten off of attention. There's this armed conflict going on between the government and terror groups there. And Ecuadorians here, of course, worried about family back home. I do have family out there and um, it's sad to hear the news that everywhere you go, it's just a certain horror going on. Somebody got shot, somebody... It's just horrible. A lot of the Ecuadorian community in Queens, the Ecuadorian president, uh, Daniel Naboa, declaring the state of emergency as criminal groups took more than 100 prison staff hostage. Armed men even interrupted a live TV broadcast. Other acts of violence committed over the last week or so. And here, community members say they're trying to keep in touch with loved ones back home. It's awful that everything over there is kind of terrible right now because when I left my country years ago, it was like, come, you can go around and doesn't, anything happens. But right now, every year or every few months, something horrible happens. Not a ton of reporters covering this conflict. So the Consulate General of Ecuador has actually been giving us updates, posting updates on the about the situation abroad. And that's how a lot of Ecuadorians are getting their information, of course, from family members and from the Consul General. A public New York City elementary schools accused of Jewish erasure because of a map in one of its classrooms. It shawled all the countries in the Middle East except for Israel, which was labeled as Palestine. This map labeled the Arab world. It appears in a classroom at PS 261. That's in Brooklyn. That's where Rita Lahode gives students lessons in Arab culture. And it's an Arab cultural arts program, which is funded by the country of Qatar. 
And so they were the ones who manufactured this map and sent it here to New York. And if you look at the map, there it is, the Middle East. And where Israel is, it's labeled Palestine. Not clear how long this map has been in the classroom, but a teacher at the school who teaches preschool through fifth grade saw the map and said, hey, this is shocking and troubling. She has reported it to the school. She says uh, the school system, this school, giving children misinformation about what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, we reached out the school for comment. We have not heard back from them. A family up in Mount Vernon desperately searching for their stolen dog. The Fuentes family says their car was stolen, and inside the car was this chihuahua named Nile. This is one of these families that they're gaga over their dog. I know most families are gaga over the dog. This family uh, really is. The kids really involved. The family really involved with the dog. The NYPD so far has not been able to find the car or the dog. And so the family using social media, and I guess in this moment, me, to get the word out. I feel right now like my happiness is gone. That was everything to me. I don't have kids. That was my baby. Okay, that's my sister's dog, but I'm the aunt. And my niece and my nephew love that babe, that dog. My nephew, he's a he's a newborn. He's looking for the dog all over the house. If you don't have a pet, they are like a member of the family. If they went missing, you'd be devastated. The family says Niall, uh, hopefully, is safe somewhere. After the show's over, I'll put up a picture of the car and the dog. So maybe if there's an off chance you've seen them, you can let us know. WABC News Time 538. The Department of Sanitation says rat sightings are at a record low across the city. The agency says there was a 6% drop in rat sightings citywide between April and December of last year compared to the same period the year before. They say that's the biggest year-over-year decrease since 2010, and they credit the city's so-called trash revolution plan for the improvement, which includes these initiatives such as reducing the number of hours trash can sit outside, and they're using those special garbage containers for big businesses now. But uh, there were people in Brooklyn who were hearing this news, and they were saying, I don't know, I'm still seeing a lot of rats. I'm wondering where that change was, when was going to come to my neighborhood at all, like... Because I haven't changed. There's rat holes. They blocked it, but there's still rat holes because they're making new ones. That news, by the way, about the rat sightings going down comes as Mayor Adams says he's going to restore funding that had been cut to the Department of Sanitation due to the migrant crisis to keep streets and parks clean. So they'll resume installing these 23,000 new litter baskets that are tougher for rats to get into. As a result of these restorations, New Yorkers will continue to see fewer rats. It has been reported that we're losing the war on rats. Adams, who insisted the city is winning the war on rats, points to these little baskets, which were named one of the best inventions of 2023 by Time magazine. That means DSNY will be able to maintain 23,000 litter baskets around our city. The mayor also restoring funding to the Department of Social Services Parks Opportunity Program, which helps maintain the city's parks by giving paid opportunities and training to low-income New Yorkers. It's a six-month paid program for low-income New Yorkers 
opening the door to full-time employment with the parks department and helping to keep our parks clean. But if you go from the day that we announced our red czar in May, uh, you are seeing that numbers are down citywide and numbers are down in the rat mitigation zone. So we are not losing the war. I guess maybe there's perception on the part of the New Yorkers that say they're still seeing tons of rats as they walk the street. New York City subway riders raising concerns about the safety of the subway system and who can blame them. The MTA chair, Jan Lieber, says the subways are safe. But this is after two derailments in just a week, uh, two weeks. You had the one this week where a train left the tracks, an F train near Coney Island. Uh, 37 people on board. Thankfully, none of them were hurt. And then last week on the Upper West Side near 96th Street, two trains collided. Uh, 27 people were injured in that one. Right, should feel good, you know. Look at the stats. We have a derailment every three to ten million trips. Get an automobile, you're having an accident every sixty to seventy thousand trips. Labor says the two recent subway incidents, unrelated with Coney Island being the result of defective track in the Upper West Side incident triggered by someone pulling the emergency brake. Uh, he goes on, of course, to say the frequency of inspections are where they should be. And he says he doesn't like the fact that they are these derailments, but he says, as you heard, doesn't happen too often. The MTA, by the way, same time giving an update on ADA accessibility upgrades at Metro North stations in Westchester and the Bronx. MTA chair, Jan Lieber, announcing that along uh, they are now outfitting the station at Scarsdale. Um, today we're celebrating... Uh, the opening of a second elevator at this station, which is, by the way, the second busiest station in Westchester. Of course, elevators are everything to the disabled. They can't go down those large stairs. And seniors, too, have problems. People who are in wheelchairs, moms with strollers, people with e-bikes. We are knocking out ADA projects five times the, pa- the pace of prior MTAs. Let me say that again. Five times as fast as they used to get, do ADA projects We're doing that now. We need ADA accessibility for seniors. We need it for young families that have strollers. We need it for, yes, people who are bringing scooters and e-bikes and bikes. 543, Governor Hochul funding additional psychiatric beds now across New York State. The governor says $50 million will go towards several hospitals to expand their psychiatric facilities and cover construction costs. Because we can say we want more beds if you don't make the buildings bigger or add more capacity is not going to happen. So we're really taking this down to the nuts and bolts. Money is needed to build more. You know, we're getting these record reports of depression and anxiety among young kids. And so the governor says the state's mental health system has been defunded and uh, for too long. And so now she's going to try to put more cash towards it. All of us agree that no New Yorker should feel abandoned, tossed aside, that there's not a a pathway to recovery, and every child has to be given the tools to succeed. Part of the plan, says the governor, she wants to ensure all schools have mental health clinics, expand mental health courts, and require insurance companies to cover mental health visits. 544, come Monday, it'll be the 15th anniversary of the miracle on the Hudson. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Captain, uh, Captain Sullenberger says, uh, after the plane hit a flock of birds, 100 seconds after takeoff, he didn't have an option to go to Teterboro, which was the closest r- airport, or return to LaGuardia. So, of course, he landed it on the Hudson. So I chose the least bad option, 
and I was very glad to have it. By the way, I was there that moment. Uh, I got the call that a plane had landed on the Hudson, and I was in Hoboken at that moment and ran to the river. Could not believe what I was seeing. Selenberger landed the flight 1549 safely on the Hudson, saved all 155 people on board, along with the help of the Coast Guard, the FDNY, and the biggest people, the ones who ran the ferries, who rushed to the scene to get everybody off. Uh, Selenberger, who turned 73 years old this month, uh, is no longer a pilot, but that crew of people who are on the plane, they get together every year, same will happen this year. They'll get together to celebrate the 15th anniversary. 545, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noma Aladdin. Start here on the hardwood in Dallas. The Knicks fell short against the Mavericks. Final score 128-124. to 124. Julius Randle led the Knicks with 32. While former Maverick Jalen Brunson poured in 30 of his own, but the Knicks lost for the first time in six games since acquiring O.G. Ananobi from Toronto on December 30th. Ananobi scored 10, uh, 8 in the fourth quarter. The Nets didn't take kindly to France, losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers in Paris by a score of 111-102. to Mikael Bridges and Cam Thomas each scored 26 for the Nets, who matched their worst half of the season with 34 points in the first half and have lost 12 of 15 to the NHL now, where the Rangers fell flat against the Blues in St. Louis, fiving, losing 5-2 to two last night. Adam Fox and Vincent Trocek scored for the Rangers, but with the loss... They've now dropped three straight for the first time all season. In Elmont, the Islanders fared much better, beating the visiting um, Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3 to in overtime. That's an impressive win. Marty Baljal scored uh, 21 seconds into OT to seal the victory for New York, while Sorokin made 32 saves in a route to the W as well. Paul Mary, Romanov, and Horvat also scored, and defenseman Noah Dobson had a career high four assists. Finally, in Tampa Bay, the Devils lost to the Lightning by a score of 4-3 to in overtime. What's going on there? I had something in my fit, like in my eye, and oh. then it was, and then it creeped down into into like my mouth area. Huh. Um, I can't okay? tell you what he did to so me in here. I so just, um, <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah, and I he was loud. Well, I'm scarred, uh, so I'll have a rough weekend, but that's okay. You have the weekend to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Until Monday. (laughs) (laughs) And out in Tampa Bay. How did they lose? I don't get it. (laughs) The Devils lost. (laughs) That's Monday night, Lewis. God. (laughs) They lost to the Lightning by a score of 4-3 in overtime. Yeah. New Jersey got goals from uh, Mercer, Brat, and Bastion. Vanacek stopped 16 shots in the loss. Some offseason baseball news to get to here as well regarding the Yankees right-hander. Marcus Stroman and the Yanks are uh, reportedly in agreement on a two-year $37 million contract. That includes a vesting player option, lengthening New York's rotation with the two-time All-Star. Stroman, 32 now, made the National League All-Star team after posting a 2.96 ERA in the first half of 2023 with the Chicago Cubs, the fourth-best mark in the NL. He fell off in the second half after a couple of uh, injuries. He'll fit nicely, though, into that third-starter role behind Rodon and in front of Cortez. And last but not least, looking ahead to a wild-card weekend playoff action in the NFL. It'll be the AFC kicking things off tomorrow afternoon at 4.30 p.m. with the five-seed Browns as two-point road favorites visiting the four-seed Texans before the six Six-seed Dolphins head into Arrowhead to meet the three-seed Chiefs at 8 p.m. in negative degree temperatures. Kansas City currently stands as five-point favorites in that one. Sunday afternoon, AFC wildcard action wraps up with the seven-seed Steelers in Buffalo to take on the two-seed and ten-point favorite Bills at 1 p.m. NFC action gets underway thereafter with the seven-seed Packers visiting the two-seed and seven-point favorite Cowboys at 4.30 p.m. before the six-seed Rams head into Detroit to meet the three-seed and three-point favorite Lions. Wildcard weekend, weekend does wrap up with my Eagles on Monday night in Tampa Bay, uh, three-point road favorites against the four-seed Buccaneers. That's sports 
Noam, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. The U.S., the British militaries combining, sick of the Houthis messing with them in the Red Sea. They bombed more than a dozen sites used by the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen last night in this massive retaliatory strike. They used warships, submarine-launched Tomahawk missiles, fighter jets. The military targets included logistical hubs, air defense systems, and weapons storage and launching locations. The U.S. Air Force Mid-East Command says it struck over 60 targets at 16 sites overnight. The White House says U.S. and British retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen are meant to send a warning. President Joe Biden says that a series of strikes in Yemen targeting Houthi rebels are meant to demonstrate that the U.S. and its allies will not tolerate the militant group's Red Sea attacks. Biden said the military response was only made after attempts at diplomatic negotiations and careful deliberation. He said in a statement that recent attacks have included for the first time use of anti-ship ballistic missiles. Those actions, he said, have endangered U.S. personnel, civilian mariners, and freedom of navigation. Norman Hall. Washington. And journalists in Yemen's capital this morning hearing a bunch of explosions. Not clear if that's all connected to this bombing raid that took place overnight. Back here in the U.S., a Navy helicopter crashing in San Diego during a routine training mission yesterday. Navy officials have confirmed six crew members aboard a Navy helicopter that crashed into the San Diego Bay Thursday have survived. Commander Beth Teach is a Navy spokesperson for Naval Air Force Base Fleet. She says the MH-60R helicopter crashed around 6.40 p.m. near the Naval Amphibious Base Coronado. The aircraft crashed during a routine training mission. Commander Teach says all six members are currently undergoing a medical evaluation. The crash is under investigation. I'm Bree Tennis. Let's bring it back home. The Passaic River rising last night, cresting over its banks, causing all kinds of misery again to these homeowners across North Jersey, Patterson, Little Falls, Wayne, a bunch of towns that are waterlogged from the flooding that took place back before Christmas. Here they are again, rivers surrounding their homes. As of like this year, this is the second time it's been this bad. I'm moving my car. Uh, I heard that the floods was going to get higher and I don't want to lose my vehicle. We are hearing from neighbors last night who say this is the worst flooding they've seen since Ida. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to wait for them to repair the electricity. You're in a hotel. It's very inconvenient. There were a lot of people who did evacuate, taking the warning from city officials to get out, that their homes would likely be surrounded. But we're also hearing this morning about a lot of people who did not leave, and there's been some water rescues overnight. Patterson's Mayor Andre Sea says first responders making those saves. Yesterday, when he said the night before, we had 12 rescue operations. Why? You had localized flooding, and you had people disregarding the barricades and driving right into the water. And so I just want to underscore the importance of turn around, don't drown. Yeah, uh, not everybody listens to that. Governor Phil Murphy, he was on the ground checking out these waterlogged towns yesterday. Says $10 million bucks in funding to elevate or buy out flooded insured properties is one contribution he'll make. We're going to turn over every stone we can, whether it's state money, county, perhaps, guys. Uh, and the biggest bucket of money in, in all this is, is going to be the feds. 
The conditions Thursday were not much better in Lincoln Park. And into last night, issues with the Pompton River overspilling its bank. 20 feet of flooding in some places. I worry, honestly, that one of these days a giant sinkhole is going to swallow up all these homes. Little Falls having the same issues. Governor Murphy now concerned, as all of us are, that more rain is in the forecast, more misery on the way. But it's the cumulative impact here, the saturation in the ground, uh, the fatigue, uh, the one after another. I was corresponding with the mayor of Wayne yesterday where they've done this home buyout program to get people out of these flood zones. Some of these flood zones have been that way for really decades now, and they've been really successful in Wayne. He told me more than 300 uh, families have taken them up on this offer to buy out their flood-logged homes and move to drier land. And it's not just in North Jersey. Ocean beaches on Long Island took a beating from the sweet storm on Fire Island. Erosion, huge problem now. Officials calling the flooding some of the worst since Superstorm Sandy. This is the first year this has happened since Sandy. I've seen at least since I've been here. Um, we've never had water in here. This is the first time. It's basically high tide. From the oceans to the bay, many houses, businesses taking on water. A dunes disappeared as a result of Tuesday night's storm. Watching on to as the uh, ferry terminal, the one in Bayshore, that was uh, at high tide yesterday, flooded out. in uh, On the Bay Walk, uh, through Ocean Beach. That's that area that's lined with shops, hotels. Standing water remains there today. And there's a warning from the mayor, at least for now, you should probably stay away. Please wear boots. Okay, bring water. Bring a sandwich. Don't bring the kids. Okay, don't bring the dogs. We don't know what's in this water. You don't know what's in this water. It's a very, very dangerous situation. And, of course, the more misery there, as I said, rain in the forecast Saturday could get an inch of rain during that storm that's going to blow through on Saturday. Should we end on a high note? Let's do that. A Long Island couple achieving a rare monumental milestone this week, 80 years of marriage. Oh, God. 96-year-old Julia Kayser and uh, 98-year-old Leroy, they met when they were teenagers in Coney Island back in Brooklyn. It really wasn't a wedding. We eloped. He was 18 and I was 16. We were teenagers and uh, we uh, didn't ask permission of our parents. They grew up in Coney Island, just a block from each other. They never actually dated anyone else. They fell in love as teenagers. When World War II ended, uh, Julia worked for the Brooklyn District Attorney. Leroy worked for Federated Department Stores. They have two children, a bunch of great-grandchildren now. It's a play from an old Johnny Mercer song. <laughs> Accents right to positive, eliminate the negative. And uh, that's our goal. Yeah, that's how he says the couple has stayed together for so long. The uh, National Center for Family and Marriage Research says only one-tenth of one percent of couples in the U.S. have been married at least 70 years. <laughs> now imagine 80 years for the uh, Kaysers. We're not couch potatoes. We do get outside and uh, get our old bones moving. <laughs> and, you know, with rakes and uh, shovels. We try to keep our property uh, clean and neat. It is amazing. I think my wife would tell you 23 years has been too long. I can only imagine 80 years.